Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 120 of Thyroid Nation Radio live talk show and podcast brought to you by Just Thrive Probiotics. I'm Dana. And I'm Tiffany, and we'll be your hosts for today. Your happy hosts, your happy day after Halloween hosts, and we were just talking about candy and what it does to the kids and to us. It's crazy, and it's not fair. Okay, today we are talking with husband, wife, naturopath, Dr. John Robinson and Dr. Christina Romero-Bosch about all things hormones and the thyroid. We've had Dr. John Robinson on the show before. He's fabulous. We love him. And today he's bringing on his fabulous uh, wife. So we are excited to talk to them both. Right. And this is, I think this is Dr. Robinson's third time with us. That's pretty exciting. That's it. That's it. He's cut off. No more. (laughs) We need to ask him what sugar does to the hormones. Yeah, right. (laughs) He could tell us a little bit about that. And of course, our amazing super sponsor, Thrive Probiotic, I'm sure they could have a whole <laughs> a whole day series on what sugar does to the microbiome. Um, we want you all, though, to check out Thrive Probiotic. Make sure to get on their email list. They had um, some great um, myth, myth-busting, sorry, a little tongue-tied today, um, about multiple sprains strains and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, So make sure to check them out. They are a spore-based probiotic. It's very, very different. Dana and I are both taking it and loving it. Um, And make sure to check them out, thriveprobiotic.com, and get on their email list, and you can learn a lot about a lot of the myths involved with uh, probiotics. And how they can help you. And let me just tell you today, I was like, honey, I'm telling you, I keep noticing more and more energy, and I really think it's this probiotic. And I forgot I was going to be on the show. I just came home from dropping off my daughter uh, from school, and I was like, I really think that I have more energy because of this probiotic, because uh, there's nothing else that's changed except for adding that in, and I just keep feeling more and more energy. It's fabulous, Mm -hmm. so definitely check them out. Okay, well, it looks like they're with us. So woo-woo, let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. Good morning. How are you? Hi, good morning. Good morning. Doing great. It's great to hear both of your voices again. Uh, hi. <laughs> hi. Thank How you for having you guys... us, and happy Halloween to you both. Or happy I was day just going to say post-Halloween, right? Yeah. How did you guys survive the Halloween holiday? Everyone doing wonderful and had fun? Oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, we, uh, we survived... Uh, uh, really well, actually, on uh, some really, really good chocolate. Um, so with, uh, hearing you, uh, you ladies talking there when, when you were first starting. So we had a Facebook Live post that we did yesterday in front of uh, uh, Zach's uh, Chocolatier. It's a local chocolatier here in Scottsdale. And uh, these two, this husband and wife duo over there, are just doing some amazing things with chocolate. Um, so, uh, you know, all the amazing health benefits of high-quality chocolate, right. you know, low-sugar, high-quality dark chocolate um, is so good for you, and uh, it's also just good for the soul uh, because they're doing some beautiful things over there, right? Yeah, definitely, and, and back to the uh, Hadja Fair, well, when you're having 
a smaller dose of the really good stuff, it's like your your heart and your brain get satisfied easier so you don't reach for the junkies and then you don't overdo it. Yeah. You know, that's so funny that you say that. That's, you know, we're a very, very, very sugar-sensitive family. And, um, you know, I can take my normally very even-keeled children and have them completely lose it. Well, mm-hmm. my daughters had come with me um, to work, and so they were, you know, having this trick-or-treating thing for the kids. And we do normally do you know, high-quality chocolate, which technically is food. That's what people don't understand. You know, the two small squares and everyone's satiated, we're good, and everybody's fine, we move along our business. Well, they were handing out, um, you know, candies, and my older kids are a little bit more disciplined. They're they're really, like, they understand that cause and effect very well. And my 8-year-old, though, went off with some friends, and we got home about, you know, two, three hours later, and my daughter just completely came unglued. She came very combative and, you know, just absolutely was losing it. And so I finally, the next day after that was all over, you know, I just took her by her hand and went down and laid in bed with her. And, you know, she was crying and, and uh, just out of control. And I, yeah. I wish people could video. I wish I could have videotaped it yeah. so that people yeah. really understand. Because my daughter, Daisy, is very even keeled. She's very... You know, uh, and that's what Dana was saying. She's like, my gosh, you know, and I, I know that there's absolutely no coming back from there. So I just said, let's go lay down. I, you know, wasn't angry with her. You can't, you can't have a conversation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's nobody's, nobody's home. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about uh, Ben Lynch. Evidently, he made some very long posts this morning about, uh, you know, being extremely angry on the similar lines but i wish people could see the difference and my kids have dark chocolate every day mm-hmm, right and and don't have so i wish people really truly understood that and how lovely for you to have these amazing wonderful high quality you know uh chocolatier in your neighborhood that's awesome. yeah <laughs> yeah we thought it was pretty awesome too yeah, let me tell you, it was it was some tasty <laughs> stuff um they they just have such a a passion for what they're doing and I think that's a big part of it too. That you know, you you don't see people that you know. These are, these are true artisans and craftsmen, that are, yeah. and craftsmen that are just really into what they're doing, and it just oozes all that love right into that chocolate. And especially when it comes to all the different, um, you know, they're so passionate about the type of bean and where it's coming from, and everything's organic, and it's all sort mm. of so they're so present in the process. And I think that always translates into the quality of food, whether we're talking about chocolate or anything. If we can bring that true presence to what's going on with food, um, I think people just tend to do better with it and just get more out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm, it reminds For me of sure. talk a lot. Anybody oh, seen the movie Chocolate? I love that movie. Okay. That's a great <laughs> <laughs> You mean yeah. Chocolate? Chocolate? Chocolate. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking, we were just about, talking that about that. We love that movie. Exactly. <laughs> oh, we're all going to have to rent that now. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen um, it in a while. Okay, so. We have talked to um, your fabulous husband a couple of times, but we haven't talked to you, uh, Dr. Christina, and we'd like to know a little bit about your story because we always ask the guests. And then, of course, you know, tie it in with, you know, your fabulous husband and and where you guys are now. But if you wouldn't mind, just give us a little bit of history so the uh, listeners can learn more about you. Sure. Um, well, thank you again for having me, and, and it's a pleasure. Uh, John has always spoken so highly of his of his opportunity with you ladies and with your audience, so it's nice to um, be a part of the team today. Um, 
Well, I guess what I would say is that my my path that led me here to this world of natural medicine really started in childhood in the sense that I come from a long line of physicians, conventional physicians, they're mostly MDs or conventional nurses, but they've always been very open-minded or holistic-minded or really just wellness-minded. So I was raised in a house where things like good food and fresh air and plenty of playtime and hugs and kisses were the best medicine kind of a thing. And um, as I was exploring my own academic drive, I realized that I did indeed have a calling to be a physician and, and to help others find that health and happiness were not only attainable, but should be a process that is enjoyed, which became a dilemma because I wasn't that convinced in my undergrad studies that traditional medicine was going to give me the training that I needed. And then I always like to say it was actually my dad, who's, who's a physician, who went to a conference and said, I found it, I found what you're looking for. And he had attended a medical conference where there was a naturopath speaking. And he came home and told me all about this world of naturopathic medicine, that at the time in, in New Jersey, which is where I, I grew up, we really didn't have much of that alternative medicine world other than maybe traditional Chinese medicine, but we didn't really have much else. And he was right. I started doing my, my diligence. I was already on um, a nutrition path in, in my undergrad studies. Mostly I always you know, like to joke and say it's because I love food, and that was, for me, the avenue to health. Um, and, and here it is, and it led, me to, it led me to study naturopathic medicine. I came out to Arizona and realized if I'm going to be with my head in the books for 20 hours a day ongoing, I'd rather do it somewhere warm and sunny and just something about the desert resonated with me. And maybe it was John. Maybe John was already pulling to me since we met in school. From day one. From day one. <laughs> and, um, and then went on from there. Completed my residency at Yale in integrative medicine with a focus on metabolism and women's health. And um, thought that I wanted to do obstetrics. And I realized that really what I wanted was to work with women to have healthy preconception lives so that their womb, like I always say, like the vessel was ready to receive the baby. And then that's, that's where I got into the world of endocrinology. And then here I am with, with John. A, a couple of years ago, we opened the Hormone Zone together, merged our private practices, and, and have been loving every moment. Wow. So you guys met uh, in school. We did. We met in med school. Yes, that's really neat. Yeah, 2002 when we started. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, and how many kids now? <laughs> three. We've got three. Yeah. Three. Wowza. Hey. <laughs> you guys had great costumes, by the way. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Costumes. Yeah, that thank costume was theme was all based around the, uh, the four-year-old who insisted on uh, being a shark. Right. So we had to kind of, uh, we'd keep saying, are you sure, a shark? We'd show her different pictures. Are you, are you sure? Yeah. And then the next day, yeah, shark, shark, shark. So um, Christina had this great idea to put then, you know, a little mermaid for the two-year-old and kind of went with a pirate theme, and Christina was my treasure. Uh, so it, it was all a lot of fun. It was fun, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the pictures were so cute. Oh, good, good. All right, well, let's jump right into hormones with the experts. 
tell us what we need to know. What are, what are the hormones exactly and what do each one do? How do they interact with one another? Well, um, that's kind of loaded, we know, but yeah, that's, 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 right. we don't mind grabbing it. He was going there, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do our darndest, and we're going to chip away at it today. And, and of course, the focus here on thyroid nation and, uh, is, is, of course, the thyroid, and that's a huge passion for both Christina and I. Um, you know, I always say I didn't go to thyroid, thyroid came to me um, because people were suffering, people were having issues um, with thinking it's their thyroid or they're already prescribed, uh, you know, typical Synthroid or something like that, and they weren't getting the relief that they wanted, needed, and deserved. And so we just dared to ask why and kept digging into it, and that kind of culminated into this our recent book called Thyrosone, which is just our system of bringing all of this together um, for the sake of getting the best possible diagnosis uh, and the best possible treatment for people for their thyroid. And so for us, a big part of that means looking at all of your hormones in a comprehensive fashion as that applies to the thyroid. So the thyroid in and of itself doesn't live in a vacuum. A lot of times the conventional approaches seem to be that, where it's just this isolated little thing, follow the TSH, give somebody T4, and forget about the rest. So we know as naturopaths, because we're just sort of trained that way to think holistically, to think comprehensively, um, it just made sense for us to look at as many different things, and particularly all the other hormones. And, and the key hormones would be sex hormones, meaning estrogen and testosterone, progesterone, uh, looking at your adrenals, um, the stress hormones like cortisol, uh, the anti-stress hormone like DHEA, certainly looking at insulin and blood sugar, uh, balance and how that has so much to do with the thyroid. And um, growth hormone would be part of that as well. So looking at all of those together and knowing that they dance together, that it's not just within this isolated vacuum, um, I think is, is a more comprehensive approach and patients get better. I mean, if a patient comes in and they, they, they believe it's their thyroid and let's say it likely is or they're already on thyroid medication, but they're, let's say, menopausal, and they just have all kinds of menopausal-related symptoms, I can give them thyroid hormone, and even in our comprehensive way, I can do that all day long. But until we balance out those sex hormones, they're not going to do as well physically, and they're certainly not going to do as well even directly as it relates to their thyroid, as just one example. Yes, and, and the other thing that would, that would, be, would be different, which, again, we outlined in the thyrosome, we wrote the thyrosome book, as a guide for patients, even those patients who don't have access to us, so that they can basically be a little bit more empowered when they're engaging their own physicians in the conversation and the inquiry of, is my thyroid working optimally? I think that not only is our, is, is our approach comprehensive where we're looking at the hormones functioning together, like, like John said, where they dance together, but also looking at other signs and symptoms. So for us, one of the most important things to understand when you're evaluating your hormones is how does the person feel? There's no better data than the perception of the, of, the, of the patient. So when we're looking at the interrelationship with hormones, perhaps someone has a slow-functioning thyroid and they have these sex hormones that are deficient, but they'll be able to give you some insight as a physician. They'll be able to say, what are my primary symptoms? And that's a good way for us to know maybe who's to blame. Like I always say, Let's figure out what's the elephant in the room first, address that, and then that will make your 
your job fixing the other hormones a little bit easier because it's almost like you're you're reducing the threshold of resistance. Yeah, and make people feel better right away. That's, right, that's we're, the we're, biggest we're thing. We're really into that. That's, I think, what Christine was saying about the elephant in the room. Um, in order to maintain the attention of the patient to where we can hopefully help to guide them towards health, um, they got to feel better. they got to get some results. So we're very results-driven here in terms of our approach. And I think many naturopaths are that way. Certainly uh, functional medicine doctors functional, tend to yeah. be uh, results-driven. They want to make sure that people are having a perceivable change. And so if you can start that process, and I think hormones just happens to be one of the, the key ways to do that, then you can really kind of dig into the entire health, even as it relates to the thyroid gland. Mm-hmm, definitely. You know, still to this day, you know, Dan and I have been doing this almost three years, and I'm I'm just blown away by the the, the different approach between integrative and functional and, and naturopathic physicians and a conventional physician where, you know, most conventional physicians will focus on the thyroid um, levels alone, and, and God forbid we half the time don't even get any focus on the T3, but... And then you have an integrative and functional or naturopathic physician that focuses on balancing hormones and making sure cortisol and iron and all of these things are even prepared and ready to receive thyroid hormone. It just absolutely, you know, it's heartbreaking, really. I hate to say it like that, but that you have so many conventionally trained physicians that, that, that don't really wrap their head around that. Why do you think that is? I mean, why, you know... Um, Christina, maybe this this question is better focused at you because you come from a family of physicians, and yeah. you know I'm sure this conversation or the topic has come up, and I you know your family is probably super aware. And but yeah. what do you think that really the undermining of that? I think without getting too soapboxy or con, you know conspiracy theory minded here, the reality is that there's been a de-evolution of medicine. I, I feel very strongly about the fact, at least in this country, I feel very strongly about the fact that that's making a turn. Um, you know, maybe we're re-evolving oh, sure. revolution. Um, but the de-evolution is that there's nothing really about functional medicine other than what technology offers, other than the tools that technology offers, but there's nothing really from a theoretical perspective that's new. On the contrary, it's the basics. It's the understanding of nature cure. It's the understanding of a clean and simple life. So I think that conventional medicine has been through the decades put through a filter of a reductionistic approach and that there are a lot of constraints to the conventional physician. I can honestly say having trained at a conventional medical school for my residency, I can honestly say that doctors become doctors because they want to make a difference. In general, obviously, there's always exceptions to the rule. But what happens along the way is that the guiding principles that teach them how to approach the problem are very reductionistic. And then, of of course, from there you have to understand that there are legitimate constraints on the amount of time that they spend with patients. There are legitimate constraints dictated by health insurance on what they're allowed to do with the patients. It's such a multifactorial issue that it really is not about the simplification of the physician not wanting or not knowing. Um, it's training and it's time. That that would be my that would be my kind of overall answer. 
Yeah, I think right. I, I fully agree with that. That's that's a that's a great way to put it. I, it, it is the way I see it, and I'm kind of summarizing what Christina so eloquently said. It the system is broken. So it's the medical system that is the problem. Starting and, and, in med school. Yes, and right, it's, it's, they are spoon-fed a certain system, and it's a box that they're placed in, and they have to stay in the box. The box protects them. It pr protects them from a medical legal standpoint. We call it, or they call it, standard of care. Right. Uh, they have to follow standard of care because there's, if they don't, they're either ostracized, uh, at the very least, they're ostracized by their peers. Uh, at the worst, they are sued. Right. Uh, and so they, they, they just reflexively go to the standard of care, let's say, following the TSH, prescribing Synthroid. They don't want to challenge it mm -hmm. uh, for those two big reasons, um, again, being ostracized and, uh, and, you know, and being uh, sued. Yeah. So I, I think that's, that's what it comes down to. You know, it's interesting. I was, I was looking at a, a video this morning, uh, flipping around on Facebook, uh, and it was a video talking about the idea of health insurance. And I think this kind of ties into what we're talking about and maybe some of the answer. So, you know, with the whole health insurance debates and, you know, whether we call it Obamacare or whatever, all of these things, it, it's the system that's broken. So they took a broken system and whether we're going to have, uh, you know, these, these crazy insurance companies uh, dealing with it or dictating it, or we have the government dealing with it and dictating it, it's still the same broken system. So um, it's, it's the model of it. And so with health insurance, it's interesting, in the insurance world, it is only health insurance that is not actual insurance. It's not even a, a, a correct word. Um, if, you're, if you have car insurance, you have car insurance, um, and it's about risk. If you, they don't cover whether or not you're going to go and change your oil on your car. That's not insurance. That's a different kind of pay-for-play. Uh, you have to put into it. So that's the way our, quote, insur medical insurance is, is, is dictated as. So what I'm getting at is that what that leads to is this sort of overinflated uh, bureaucratic medical system that isn't about patient-focused care. And where maybe we can get better patient-focused care is in the type of models that functional medicine and naturopathic doctors tend to provide, which is a fee-for-service kind of system most of the time. There, there are medical doctors that might have been dealing with um, insurance for years, they decide to go either into concierge medicine or they go into something that allows them to give the right. time to the patient. So that goes back to what Christina was saying. If you can give the time, then they can maybe open their minds up and get their brains around what you had said about looking at T3 or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they don't have the time. So right. it's the medical model. It's, the, it's how it's all dictated through insurance. And, uh, and, and here we are. We're left with a big old mess. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to give you ladies an example for for the the symptom of fatigue. Okay, you can imagine fatigue. A patient presents to the office with fatigue. You can imagine how many different causes and sure. aggravants right. there might be to an individual that results in them feeling fatigued. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. According to conventional insurance standards, which is all based on coding, you get. I think reimbursed by the insurance company for I think it's about five minutes worth of your time to explore the causes of fatigue. Five oh minutes. Oh my gosh! Wow. Are you serious? For me, if a person comes in with fatigue, I want to well, know about a, everything. Yeah, like, but, I mean, right. goodness, like fatigue. Yeah. Well, well, gosh, that can be anything. That can be from something as as 
traumatic and horrible as cancer to the person has a tooth infection. I mean, it could be anything. Right. And not only that, but you can only run so many things at a time that are approved by insurance. Right. So literally a physician's hand, I mean, you can see why so many physicians went to concierge medicines because their hands were tied. Not only that, but you have this person that doesn't feel well and you specifically have to rule out certain things before you can go to another thing. Is that correct? Yes, in general, yes. You go down through your list of differentials, which means your list of possibilities, and you go down from the most obvious to the least obvious, and you work your way down based on the way the right. person is presenting. And but it's not would, like you can order the whole enchilada at once. You know, I see a lot of the blood work that floats around on, on the Internet, you know, specifically to thyroid patients, and a lot of that most physicians cannot draw right. all at one time and be covered by insurance. Isn't that correct? Yeah, that's, that's, right. that's correct. And I think that comes back to relationships. I mean, one of the things that we focus on here is is establishing and maintaining a long-term relationship with the patient so right. we can, over time, um, explore them. those things, mm-hmm. know them, decide which tests to do or not to mm-hmm. do, right. because it can't necessarily be done right away. Rome wasn't built in a day. Mm-hmm. Again, we look for results but we have to have that relationship and that trust, and so patients have to be willing to kind of engage that. In a, in a traditional medical model with co-pays and all of that stuff and wait, waiting in, in a doctor's office for two hours before you're seen, yeah. that, that's very hard to establish relationships. Yeah. Okay. And also, hopefully what the medical schools are going to be getting at is back to those roots of true medicine. You don't need fancy labs in the beginning. A lot of times you just need to really learn how to read the body the patient. Right. and listen right, to right. the patient. Exactly, yeah. And, and well, look at thyroid in mm-hmm. particular. I mean, there's such an enormous um, amount of lifestyle yeah. and, you know, just even food and stress and things right. that affect the thyroid so much. So you have to know your patient, yeah. right, to even know where to go. Yes, <laughs> right? and yes. Yeah, thank you for saying that. It was actually going to be my segue point that this is part of what, this is part of why your show is so important because, we're talking about the role of the physician in the healthcare system, but we also have to remember the role of the patient. And mm-hmm. thyroid patients are a perfect example. If you have hypothyroidism and you're properly diagnosed and you're properly getting your thyroid hormone replaced, but you're not changing the way you live your life, you're not going to do that great. It's not going to work, right? So there's also that notion that as consumers, we have to be more motivated. We have to have a higher sense of responsibility that our health is our responsibility and that what we want to do is lead a health-conscious life. And that's mm. so that's just such a double-edged sword or seems so daunting because, you know, we're we're a fast-paced, convenience-based, mm. you know, um, Give me this population. Pill, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. I mean, exactly. drive-through, you know, it's yep. like drive-through. Everything's quick and fast, and you, you get caught up in that. You know, you get caught up mm-hmm. in things moving so fast, you even, you know, accidentally start expecting things to move faster when right. they don't, you know. It's just you. It's the way that, that we are as a civilization here in the States. It's just, it's crazy. It's really kind of this, um, this cycle that seems really hard to stop stop from yeah. spinning you know it does and so it really just starts with with you guys being fabulous and and also the patients taking more <laughs> interest in their and interest in their care and you know, that's one thing tiffany and i really want to do on the show is to try to teach people that because both tiffany and i um have and lots of my friends have relatives that know that they have issues and just don't 
care or are, you know, frustrated or, I mean, there's just so many things. It's like you kind of have to start from the beginning. I don't, I don't you know. know. I, have a, funny. I have a 13-year-old daughter who I'm just, you know, every day I try to tell her something new and different, and I'm just yeah. thinking, had I started so long ago, it might have been easier, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it becomes very, I think, overwhelming, perhaps. <clears throat> People feel mm-hmm. overwhelmed by the list of things they think they have to do. Uh, we mm-hmm. talk about, when we talk about helping patients change their lifestyle, the notion of it's not all or nothing, it's not giant steps, it's not bold movements, it's actually the tiny little decisions you make day by day that after a while become cumulative behavior that now is mm-hmm. just the way you live. So it's, 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 there's nothing easy about what you ladies are trying to expose. There's nothing easy in the world that we live in about living this health-conscious life until you do it. And then all of a right. sudden it just is the mm-hmm. way it is. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so sad to me how many people really um, don't equate nutrition with how they're feeling. I mean, you know, for, for me it's it's been part of my life since birth and and – it just fascinates me that people don't equate the two, you yeah. know, particularly in the thyroid community. And, and it can be very, very confusing for thyroid patients when you hear so much conflicting information, yeah. you know. And, of course, I'm sure, you know, genetics plays a role. It's, it's not like you can just have, you know, one and you're done. You know, every thyroid patient is really so very unique. And I love, 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 Christina, that you actually said you have to get to know your patient. How do you help this, you know, guide this person on a healing path unless you can really understand where, where, where they're coming from? You know, what do you eat? What is your day like? You know, is there a phenomenal amount of stress? Is there, you know, all of these things significantly affect the hormones and the thyroid so much. And I love that you said that. And I'm so sorry. I'm like Kermit the Frog right now. <laughs> I have a cold. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we are. Yep, yep. That's a that's you know, a great thing. I mean, relationship in in helping a, a patient to heal. Yes, it has to start there. It has to start with trust and um, a culture that the physician and, and the office is creating, to where someone wants to be around that. So you know, we have patients that just simply want to be here. They just want to come in and talk and talk to the front desk and. Uh, and just be around what's going on. Um, and back to what you were saying before, I, I do think that, you know, we're, we're in this instant, you know, take a pill kind of thing. And, and also with, with respect to what you're saying about the food um, and how people, they so often don't want to see that or maybe they want to see it, but they just don't believe it because mm-hmm. we're so used to looking at things from it has to be some kind of advanced problem. Um, one, look at it that way because people were constantly into like the new um, scientific research and the newest thing that comes out. So it's, it, 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 it kind of comes down a lot to that. We're convinced that it has to be something complicated also, that our problems have to be complicated. Um, it can't be as simple as something that was just changing my life or changing my stress or quitting a right. job or, you know, not eating sugar. They don't want to believe it. it's got to be far more advanced than that, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's almost a... That's so true. Yeah, 
And it comes down to that. And maybe it is complicated. Maybe it is more complicated. But it doesn't mean that you get to sort of leap right over the obvious things or what Christina was saying, the basics. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, let's jump in to hormones and talk about, you know, kind of pull that back with stress and some of the simpler things with thyroid patients in particular that you guys see being very problematic hormonally that can have some simple fixes to them. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind and, of a... And if you don't mind... Maybe not you, so simple, but committed changes. And if you don't mind, will you back up even a little bit more and just talk about what hormones are exactly, like, you know, in layman's terms for people, because I really want the listeners to understand, because I don't think they do. You know, for men... Uh, hormones are something and for women hormones are something and you know just the basic hormone structure I just want people to really get it because it's they they affect their little messengers you know they affect so every you know everything so I just want just want you guys to maybe talk about it a little bit more basically if you don't mind sure not at all and, and what you just said I mean that's exactly what a hormone is it is a chemical message um, it's a signal um, coming from various parts of the body, particularly endocrine organs or hormone organs, and they secrete a message in order to affect the entire body. And that's the thing what we, you know, hormones affect every single cell in your body, head to toe, inside and out, particularly the thyroid. It is sort of one of the most master uh, hormones. Um, But it has a lot to do with this overall concept in your body. Like, look, your body was bathed in hormones before you ever developed a nervous system. So what is even more important to your system than we could argue to say even more than your nervous system, more than even the brain and the, and the, and the spinal column and the spinal cord would be the hormones that are affecting your body. Meaning when you're developing as a fetus. When you're developing as a fetus, and then we could then say that extends Mm -hmm. even further on Mm -hmm. uh, to everyday life. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say that we can't function without brain, uh, even though sometimes I feel like I function without my brain. (laughs) Um, But uh, we we need these hormones. They're they're vital. We cannot live without them. Uh, And so, again, they're these chemical messengers that regulate the body on all levels. And so if, if they're do, if that important, then I think as a physician, you have to look at those things. Whether someone decides to even focus on hormone replacement therapy the way we do, if they, even if they decide not to, you still have to consider the endocrine system as this major thing on, on anything you can consider for someone's health. Okay. And we just happen to use it as a lens um, because it does affect so many things. We use it as a lens on how we approach somebody's system. So maybe some of these specific things maybe help with, with the listeners with something specific. Um, I'll, I'll start. Let's, let's talk about uh, insulin. Mm-hmm. When it comes to um, insulin resistance, now that's just sort of the fancy term for prediabetes. 86 million people in the United States are suffering with some form of prediabetes or insulin resistance. Now the frightening thing about that statistic uh, is that 9 out of 10 don't know they're dealing with it. And most of that is because doctors either are not kind of looking at these pre-diabetic states, they're waiting for someone to be fully broken before they do anything about it, before any intervention is is provided. And so many people are walking around obese, 
in the midst of insulin resistance anyway, it's become sort of a norm. So they don't even think it's necessarily pathological. So I bring that up to also say that if, if you are insulin resistant, if you have this pre-diabetic state, if you have this issue where you're gaining weights and um, there's a blood sugar handling problem, your blood sugar is elevated slightly, that to be insulin resistant is to be low thyroid. To be low thyroid is essentially to be insulin resistant. They go so hand in hand. And so we see this all the time. So if someone's already, as an example, I had a patient not too long ago came in, already sort of pre-diabetic. I think the doctors were sort of hinting towards it. It was very obvious to me. But, um, I mean, she clearly was low thyroid. It was, it was really, really obvious. And so as we started working with both correcting the insulin imbalances and then the thyroid all at the same time, I mean, she just did amazingly well. But it wasn't until all of it was done. So that's one example of how thyroid affects insulin and insulin affects thyroid. And as some take-home tidbits along that, along that line, yes, of course, bring it back to your physician, engage them in conversation, do some exploration. But for the listeners, well, what can we start doing right away? One of the most important things to remember about insulin resistance and blood sugar management is the infrequency of eating that we have in this country. Back to that whole notion of everything is fast, fast, go, go. People are obese, but rarely eat properly or enough, ironically. Right. We're having fewer meals, but they're very calorie-rich and nutrient-poor. So what, what you can start doing right away, what is one of the first things you can start doing right away if you're hypothyroid um, and you think, well, goodness, if insulin resistance is a concern, eat small, frequent meals. Make sure you're focusing on good quality protein and good quality fats and have those snacks every three-ish you know, two to four hours depending on the person, and be very sensitive to your hunger signals. I can't tell you how many times we hear people say, oh, I'm just not hungry. And then we always say, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, you just don't have an appetite. That's not the same thing as a hunger signal. So one of the things that that you can do is, um, I say, you know, liken yourself to an infant. An infant is very clear about their hunger signals. Every two to three hours, they're usually letting you know that they need to eat. Well, your body, even as an adult, still has that need. You've just done a really good job of telling it to shush up. Right, Mm -hmm. until it's past the point. Until it's past the (laughs) point. And the headache comes or the... Yeah, yeah. You know, that's so, that's such an important... um, statement christina about i'm not hungry can we talk because that my goodness if we all had a dollar for every time we heard that all of us oh would my be goodness. retired oh my goodness so can we my son we right talk? now is in a is in a place where he says i'm not hungry a lot and he's you know just six foot one and skin and bones and i'm like <laughs> okay this is impossible okay yeah let's talk right. about it but it's not, and I want, I want Christina and John, please, can you talk about what happens in the body that this hungry voice gets muted, and how bad is it when we don't address it, when we don't eat? I mean, I know you just talked a little bit about that, but really, it's, it's a really, really big problem, particularly with people in adrenal crisis, correct, and thyroid uh, issues. Yeah, yeah, and teens. Yeah, I think uh, one, of the, one of the hormones that gets affected um, when you are in the midst of um, stress is something called ghrelin. Uh, another one's called leptin. Now, now, ghrelin tends to help you to be hungry. If you're stimulating ghrelin, that stimulates your appetite. So for certain people, 
uh, ghrelin is shut down in the midst of stress. Um, and so therefore they're not hungry. For other people, leptin is stimulated in the midst of stress more so, and that will help you to, where you don't have uh, a hunger signal and then you're just hungry all the time. But that's maybe some of the little technical things. I mean, I, I think what, what a lot of one of the answers to this is just people's general relationship with food that sometimes starts when we're very, very young, as infants and, and, and small children. We just don't have this idea of slowing down and eating and appreciating, you know, back to this first conversation about uh, chocolate and really truly appreciating the process of how you make food, how you prepare food, how you sit and indulge in that in a good, positive, healthy way, how you're hopefully you know, less stressed while you're, while you're eating. We, we just we don't look at food that way. So when you're, when you're in the midst of this constant fight or flight, um, a lot of times for a lot of people, appetite is just shut down. There's a great book called The Slowdown Diet, and uh, I can't think of the author's name right now, but it, it's, it's a wonderful book, and there's this great example in the book to give you an idea of what the book's about. There was this um, woman who was from the United States, and she had to go over to Italy to um, manage a, a construction site. And she went over to, you know, she's from the, the builder or whatever from the United States. She goes over to Italy, and she gets to the construction site to kind of talk to some of the managers, and she noticed that at lunchtime um, no one was there and working. And it was for a long time. It was for like two hours. No one was there working on the construction site. So she went, finally found someone and said, I, I don't understand. You know, they can't go two hours not working on the construction site. This is not good. And the, uh, the manager said, oh, oh, I understand. They're all at lunch right now. They're away for lunch. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll make sure that doesn't happen again. So she comes back the next day, and uh, right before lunch, and right as soon as it uh, was ready for lunch, she noticed all of the workers stopped, and they had this huge van, and they opened up the doors to the van, and they pulled out these tables with tablecloths, and they proceeded to sit there and have lunch for two hours. <laughs> So they, their idea, they, they, you know, they didn't understand. They, of course she didn't mean don't, don't sit here and eat casually for two hours. They just meant don't go off, of, uh, you know, don't go off the construction site. So it's this idea of slowing down and, and, and in, engaging your soul while you're eating and how that then in turn affects the rest of your body to where you are able to develop true appetite and, um, and foster it and then find the right foods that are going to satisfy you. The reason a lot of these vapid foods, let's say a lot of the candy that these kids would have gotten last night, the reason you've got to eat 55 of those things is because there's just no nutrients in it. So and your no, body, there's, it's chemical. It's yeah, not like richness of flavor. Right. So your body keeps saying, I'm going to just keep eating more and more until I get the nutrients that it's looking for. Your tongue can sense these nutrients instantaneously. Um, it's trickery. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, sorry, I just had to say Trickery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trickery. You're, you're right. Right. So anyway, that's maybe hopefully that answered. Yeah, some I mean this is this is definitely a, a a tangent that is very um personal to me because again as I as I mentioned, my, my drive to healthy to healthy living is through food and, and our relationship with food. And we can get into the core of it, but one thing I can say is that most eating habits are established in um, early childhood. So by the age of two to four is when most children are establishing the kind of eater they're going to be. 
Now, this is very important because it gives us, especially us as moms, it gives us an opportunity to recognize how much we really are in charge of affecting the wellness of the next generation. If you have been around your girlfriends, I don't know, this has happened to me so many times where I hear my friends, we're at lunch and one of our toddlers says, you know, Mama, what's that? And then my friends will say, oh, that's Brie, but I don't think you're going to like that. I, I, I don't know how I can maintain my composure when I hear those kinds of things. Or, oh, that's very bitter. I don't think you're going to like that. I'm like, no, like, don't put our prejudices on kids. Don't limit their exposure to food. Hide your own preferences. Encourage them to try as many things as possible because little kids are more willing and their tongue is not yet adulterated, and they're more in tune with their natural hunger signals. So if we can encourage the early childhood age to have healthy eating habits, you're that much more successful as an adult to be a healthy eating adult. Hmm. Starts in late for me. <laughs> no, and, and, and that's the other point. It's never too late. It's never too late. I had this is a this is a brief anecdote, but I had a patient that I kid you not. When I met her the first time, she sat down. She walked into my office. I was you know like hi, welcome. You know my normal cheery self. She sat down, and before she said hello, before she told me her name, she sat down. She leaned forward over my desk and she said, "Before we start." I want you to know I don't do vegetables. (laughs) 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 And I had no choice but to kind of laugh, and I said, okay, then we'll take it slow. (laughs) Now, mind you, I mention that because this woman really had a horrific diet. She's been my patient for almost a decade. She's literally 150 pounds lighter. She's off of 90% of the medicines that she had been on. This did not happen quickly. She still doesn't have a great diet, but she does do some vegetables. And she'll even say, I had the most wonderful cherry tomato the other day. I try not to smell too much because I don't want to remind her of her olden ways. But, yes, it's never too late. (laughs) You know, and I think that really speaks to the idea of, of, again, relationship and and culture. And and, and there, you know, Christina has had this patient for 10 years. And if you can meet the patient where they're at, keep their attention let them know you care, um, let, let, let them know you care about their process and their journey, then they stick around. And then before you know it, in a mere 10 years, <laughs> they like a cherry tomato. But for them, that's good. Yeah, and, that's uh, progress. That is progress. Yeah, for and sure. And I think that's so important that you point that out, too, about, you know, kind of meeting people on their ground in the beginning because it can be very, very overwhelming, you know, gluten-free, you know, dairy-free, soy-free, you know, low-carbs. I mean, yeah. all these different things. People can just be so overwhelmed from the get-go, you know. Um, and a lot of times there's just some simple baby steps, and, and then like you said, you you go five years down the road, and you may possibly have made all those changes, yeah. but yeah. it wasn't something that was so catastrophically overwhelming in the beginning. I mean, right. We hear that so frequently about, you know, just being so overwhelmed and it seems so undoable that, that yeah. now I'm just stuck and feeling ill for the rest of my life. You yeah, know, and it, it doesn't it's, have uh, to be that way. You know, I, I, had a, I had a patient come in to me um, recently who had, who had gone to see a very, very popular, famous naturopath, particularly here in our state, and um, she, she said that 
he said it has to be this way. I mean, upon like the, literally the first meeting, he just said it's this way or it's no other way. And that immediately shut her down. Um, now, ironically, the, some of the things that I'm already starting to do with her are some of the things that he recommended, of course, but I didn't approach it that way. I met her where, where she was at, kind of honoring that process, and then slowly reeling into wherever it is that she felt she needed to go, or maybe that I thought maybe she needed to go. So you got to meet right, her. I mean, presentation yeah. is nine-tenths of the battle. I mean, <laughs> you know, I... I I honestly can can relate with that <laughs> pretty well. There's there's ways of getting people to do things that are maybe a little bit, you know, <laughs> yeah. where you can have because compliance. I mean, look at compliance. If you're if you're a physician and you don't have compliance from your patient, you yeah. don't have anything. Right. That's right. So you almost it's almost a, a key thing to meet the patient on their ground at least to start. Like you said. You chuckled and you, you kind of in the back of your head knew, I'm sure, where you were going to go with that. And she was honest about, you know, listen, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. And you knew that, that if you could keep this woman in a relationship with you, that you would be able to eventually change these things in the long term. And that, she, you know, she would be able to. That's the thing. That she oh, would exactly. be able to. Thank you. Uh, I mean, the, the the best we can hope to do, because remember that notion of patient compliance really ties back into a sense of responsibility for your own health. There's there's two components for success. One of them is to listen to the patients, so that they feel that what you're recommending is actually in tune with what they're they're asking you. Then the second one is that you just hope to inspire that they continue to change. And one of the ways that, that I think John and I are successful at doing that is we celebrate their progress. I mean, if you've had this thyroid condition for the past 15 years, you've been suffering for 15 years. You've got to give yourself a little bit more than one week to reverse it all. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You didn't get into this overnight, and you're not going to get out of it overnight. Right. Right, right. right. That's, that's so important for people to understand. And that's so against the, the one pill and you're done. Take this yeah. and, and you're done. Yeah. Go about your business and your lifestyle and your stress the way it's been and everything is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of thyroid patients out there that are going, it's it's not fine. You know, so there is a commitment. Like you said, it's a commitment to yourself. It really is. So how you know, about... To, uh, oh, go oh, ahead. No, no, yeah. please. I was going to tie this back in again and kind of bring it back to thyroid and, and you know, our system, Thyrozone, and um, that a lot of what we've developed over the years in terms of our approach to thyroid and what I think a lot of other very brilliant doctors are doing out there um, regarding thyroid, alternative kind of minded uh, physicians, that it is this sort of beginning process of listening to the patient and uh, and daring to step outside of the box in order to get the right answers for, for people, listening to their process and really believing in that um, and doing something about it. Um, so that's what, for us, this whole Thyrozone system is about. It, it, it's, it's about that. And we want to be able to listen and we want to be, provide really practical kind of things. And 
in the book, we, we kind of go through some of that. Um, it's an easy book. It's an easy read. It's written it, for the patient. Yeah, it's very much written for the patient. Uh, the first book, The Hormone Zone, that's got, you know, 600 different sightings in it. It's a lot more technical and a lot of things in it. But this one was like straight to the sort of core of how a patient should be asking their physician um, to uh, get the answers that they need. And if they can't find it in their regular physician, to maybe find someone who's alternative-minded and continue to, you know, listen and read, uh, you know, the thi uh, thyroid nation, et cetera, uh, and where they can get some more of those answers. But as a summary, we want to make sure we're getting the right diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, we do look at things from a metabolism standpoint. I think that's one of the things that's often very much missing in uh, even alternative uh, thyroid care. They're not measuring the metabolic rate, and we do that in a couple unique ways through either the Thyroflex test or something called indirect calimetry, which is just through measuring metabolic rate through your breath, um, which is the way it used to be done. Um, all of these things, it's just the way it was done in the 1910s, 20s, 30s, 40s, into the 50s. That's the way they did it, and they had great success. So we've just kind of come back to a lot of these tried, true, and tested uh, methods. Um, now, it takes longer. It takes more engagement with the patient, which is kind of what we've been talking about today, but it's more effective. Meaning the process with the physician yes. takes longer, yeah. not the results. Right. On the contrary, I would say... It's faster. It's faster, and, and perhaps we didn't explore the, the intended topic for today <laughs> as thoroughly as we had planned, um, although I think our... I, I think our attendants were, went, yeah, were great, <laughs> um, but what I'm, what I'm saying is that the other reason it's more effective is because you're honoring the synergy of the body. The body mm -hmm. is not separated into individual parts. It's one very sophisticated, beautiful machine that gives you the answers. You, they're not always easy. I, John and I are making this sound very simple. It's not always this easy for everyone. I'm sure you have listeners out there who say, I've done it all, I've tried it all, but there's something about putting the pieces together, having the patience to do it, and then the discipline to follow through that leads to success. So what are Amen. some top tips? Right. What are some top tips that you can leave us with for thyroid patients for hormone balancing? I know Christina you mentioned uh, eating more frequently, but just some some good top tips that you guys have found works very well. Yeah, uh, from the thyroid zone with your thyroid patient. I'm glad you asked that question because this is what I'd like to uh, maybe somewhat end on here. Um, now, there's a lot of things, but I want to talk about LDN very briefly. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the uh, the article that we wrote uh, that I for think For Thyroid is, Nation. Yeah. Yes, for Thyroid Nation is uh, on LDN. Now, um, we just went to the LDN Research Trust um, conference that was what was last last month uh, in Portland and it's it's doctors and scientists come from all over the world to present um, the the data the ongoing data on the use of low dose naltrexone this medication called naltrexone and using it mm -hmm. in these very low doses it's a wonderful medication because it's very clinically forgiving and the side effect profile is extremely low and what it helps with is it modulates the immune system. So for anybody suffering with Hashimoto's, I would implore that person to explore yeah. a, a person who prescribes LDN. You can go to ldnresearchtrust.org and look up a physician who is in your area that prescribes it. Um, what, what I wound up doing was presenting our internal data 
that we've provided uh, or we've, we've gathered over the past oh, nearly three years on using LDN and actually lowering antibodies. So any patient out there that might have those elevated antibodies, anti-TPO or thyroperoxidase or anti-TG or anti-thyroglobulin, those are those antibodies that show that there's that Hashimoto's present, that there's that autoimmune process where the body is attacking the thyroid gland, being the number one reason why we see low thyroid in this country. And so LDN, where there's a lot of things that you can do for um, Hashimoto's, particularly working with the gut, and we could talk about an hour easily on just that, <laughs> but the LDN for us has been a, a, just a game changer. Yeah. And what hasn't been done was there hasn't been any hard data on just showing that the antibodies are indeed lowering when someone's taking LDN. So I couldn't find anything like that. So I decided to just kind of, we collected all the data and presented. I think we, we, we had a modest kind of start. I think we had 57 patients um, and showing about a 65% reduction in antibodies that for many patients, um, even with alternative approaches, um, certainly conventional approaches, um, it, it, it just doesn't lower. The antibodies just won't lower significantly. And the LDN winds up doing that. So I think that would be a tip uh, at the, the top of the list mm -hmm. to really, really... And Dr. Robinson, if, if I'm correct, even even those people... Um, that whose antibodies do not lower, they did have resolution of symptoms, though, correct? Correct. As Absolutely. Well? Yes. Yeah, yes. And, yes, and we, we've seen that for years even without using LDN. But, yes, even with LDN, yes, there is uh, what we found. It, yeah, people just got better because they're right. also, of course, it, in, in the data that I presented, these are all patients that are doing our comprehensive approach to things. So they're, you know, getting their sex hormones balanced. They're getting, right. you know, adequate amounts of, of T3 and, you know, all the other things, stress reduction, et cetera, gut, all the different things we're doing. So they're getting benefit anyway. But right. being able to clinically see just the lowering of antibodies and see that, over time, it's just exciting because mm -hmm. many patients, when they go to their conventional doctor and, and they have those elevated antibodies, the doctor says, well, you got Hashimoto's, that's it, not much you can do about it, sorry, <laughs> right. you know, take right. your Synthroid and just be quiet. And it's sad that they think that because they just don't know, they're ignorant, they just don't know. And so uh, we've been able to lower antibodies even in the past, but again, the LDN, it's just a wonderful tool. You know, we, we, here we are at this conference. There's doctors and scientists, again, from all over the world. They're talking about traumatic brain injury, cancer, all kinds of autoimmune conditions, autism. Um, I was one of three naturopaths that presented. There was mostly MDs and scientists there. So it was just really cool to be part of that and to see how many other things that the LDN is doing, uh, particularly right. with brain. There's just so much benefit long-term benefit of taking LDN, uh, even for your brain. Um, gosh, even uh, William Hurt, you know the actor William Hurt? Mm -hmm. uh, he was in the audience there. I guess he's from Bend, Oregon, and so he came by. He's a patient of one of the physicians that was speaking there. So it's just really, really uh, a very underappreciated medication, even though it's made a huge resurgence in the past uh, about 10 or 15 years, but it's an underappreciated medication. Uh, uh, medication that is very, you know, uh, the way we see it, very naturopathic-minded because of what it does to the immune system and the fact that it's very, very, very low in side effects, virtually not. Well, I remember, I remember when we spoke with Linda 
um, Elsbid yeah, was uh, even with Epstein Barr and things like that, um, there was yeah. just amazing, uh, you know, amazing feedback There's from mm-hmm. people that were becoming symptom free from from low dose naltrexone. That that's huge. I mean, that's. I mean, I love. I, I love the the antibodies actually coming down, but as a patient that has symptoms, you're like, yeah, I you, just you, would love to feel better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. And, you know, you're talking about people that are following your protocol that are doing literally everything that's, you know, that's humanly possible to yeah. to feel better and be better, and this actually adds to adds to it. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, that's a it huge. It is. That's One of the huge. side effects of LDN, so to speak, is a better sense of well-being. It's just what it does to the endorphin system in, 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 in the body. And so people just feel better on it. Uh, right. it, it it's and very- increased libido, which is a huge issue with, with thyroid patients. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I mean, we, it was amazing. I mean, it really was. Dana, I think you've been on LDN, haven't you? Yes, but I didn't want to say anything because it was so long ago, and I was in Costa Rica, and I, I wasn't being um, monitored by a doctor, and... I don't really remember much. I remember having very vivid dreams. Yeah, extremely vivid dreams. That's what it's doing to to the endorphins. So for some people, it just translates into that. It's also, it it'll help you to really sleep very deeply, and then it can make the dreams kind of freaky. But if that's an issue for someone and they don't like it, then we just say take the LDN in the morning, and then that of course goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it's a pretty easy fix. Right, yeah. and the importance of finding an, um, you know, an LDN yeah. savvy practitioner. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It goes all back to this idea of relationship that we've been talking about today. Relationship. Mm, I love that. Okay, well, we can I end really, with really you know, hormone, sex hormones have a you know strong relationship with thyroid, even though we didn't cover cover yes. too much of it. Yes. It was still a great, great, fabulous show, and we are so so thankful to have you uh, join us, um, Dr. Christina. We love your husband, and so um, it was really wonderful to meet you. Really appreciate you both and what you're doing for the for the thyroid world, especially with your LDN um, studies and things, uh, Dr. Robinson. That's it's wonderful. Yeah, we're very committed uh, to what we're doing here. We're passionate about it, and we uh, we always say we don't want to help; we want to serve. Yeah. Uh, we feel it's a higher calling, and uh, we're going to continue to. Uh, do that for everyone out there, and uh, we really, really appreciate what you're doing. I, I was going to uh, say, yeah, having this, it's great that we're doing it here in the microcosm of our office, but services like yours, just get the word out. The patients don't have to settle, so keep inspiring the audience to do more, and um, thank you again for having us. It was so much fun. Yeah, oh, you, you guys have a great you day. You do. Thank you so much. And we'll talk about um, where everybody can find you, so don't worry, and about thyroid zone and hormone zone. Hormone zone. Uh, so uh, thank you guys again. Have a fabulous day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Huh, I just want to be sitting at their kitchen table having a meal with them. <laughs> <laughs> they are just genuinely lovely people, right? I mean, you can see you can see this is this is, might sound silly, but you can see the balance in their family on their website hormonezone dot com and it's not all one word there is a dash in between so hormone uh dash zone dot com and you can see that the wonderful simple simplicity of you know fitness and eating and and just lifestyle and all of these different things um just it's radiant in their website. It really is. 
I know that's so much radiant in their voices. That's where I thought you were going. Right? I mean, you know, you can just you can just tell they seem like lovely, lovely people to be around, and um, that's always that's the thing you want most in a doctor, right? I mean, you want them to be wonderful, relatable uh, doctors that are smart and have your you know care in mind and and want to get to know you. So I love that they were talking about that. Uh, I think that's really neat. Well, and committed to a relationship, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much, it's, it sounds silly, but there's so much dictatorship in patient-physician mm-hmm. relationships rather than partnerships, you know. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the patient has to leave and go home with all of these symptoms and everything else, and if they don't feel like their physician is actually a partner in their well-being, it's it's not not going to work. I don't know. No. It's just my, no. my feeling No, it's a there, partnership so. for sure. By the way, sure. the thyroid... Thyro, thyroid zone. I can't, why can't, if I say it slow, it just doesn't, I can't say it slow. T-H-Y-R-O zone. Thyroid zone. See? You got me going. Thyro zone. slow. Thyro zone. That's how you spell it. It's on Amazon. Better health and living, yeah. Yeah, it's on Amazon and it's on their website, hormonezone.com. So check that out and uh, let us know what you think. It's a great book. I have it sitting right here. I was going to talk to them. They've got this really neat little quiz in here on page, ooh, I don't know, 37. And uh, it's just a symptom quiz, but the way they do it is kind of neat. I was going to mention that, but I forgot. Anyway, check it out. It's a must read. It's quick. It's easy. As they mentioned, uh, you know, they wrote it for the patient. So it's very easy to read. Mhm. Okay. Woo. Great show. <laughs> it was. I just yeah. want to go visit. I know I want to hang out with them. As always, a very big thank you to our listeners. We love you guys. When we uh, love doing this, and if you enjoy it, leave us a little review on iTunes. Uh, you can also download and and listen to um, all the past shows there as well and Stitcher and Google Play so we uh, we love having you we love doing this I uh, just you know think about it every Wednesday when we're doing the show I'm like I like doing this it's fun I like it I like our sponsor um, I like you know getting feedback and I like getting positive feedback and and just you know it's a great show love it Tiff mm-hmm. and don't forget to check out Just Thrive Probiotics at thriveprobiotic.com they're awesome. We're having awesome results. And make sure to check them out, thriveprobiotic.com. And get on their email list. I did get that email about uh, myth busting with uh, probiotics was fabulous. So definitely check that out. Also, make sure to follow Thyroid Nation at thyroidnation.com and on all social media platforms. We're pretty much everywhere. We also have a Facebook support group, Hashis and Graves. Check that out. Mm-hmm. And of course, Dana, and I always want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. I know it sounds very simple, but it really is. Make sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of it, of what it is telling you and try to read past those signals of not being hungry and things like that and genuinely think of the long term of the day and how to keep your body efficiently running. And also, maybe we should uh, start including um, trust and and realize that we are all individual. So there is no one size fits all at all. 
not even a grouping fits all. It's everybody's very bio individual. So keep that in mind and don't beat yourself up when you're not getting further along as fast as you want. We're all very different. This is Dana and Tiffany, your thyroid nation thrivers, bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together united we heal. Thanks guys. Have a good week.